Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I am so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up personal and spiritual growth conversations for the recovering insecure attachment type. You're in great company here. We're all a little insecure here. We're all striving, you know, that's all we can do. I'm just honored to be here with you. Today's guest Nadia Diamante is fucking amazing. I loved our conversation. She is hilarious and she's an astrologist, (laughs) astrologer, astrologist. Is that even a word? What the fuck? I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) Sorry. So she's an astrologer, a hypnotherapist, um, a kundalini yoga and meditation teacher, a yoga ninja guide, a death doula, a music writer, a divine channel, and a wayward mystic. She's queer AF. She is so many things. And we talk about astrology. She gave us she gives us a little astro update, tells us what the fuck is going on with the stars. And then we kind of get into her take on astrology. So we talk a lot about asteroids. So asteroids are kind of her thing. And she explains why. And I I just loved it. I've been thinking about the different archetypes that she shares, the different um, mythology that she shares. And I just love, we talk about this later in the episode, but I love how the stars aren't just like black and white. It's not good and bad. There's no like value props, right? It it It's kind of just like there's some crazy shit. <laughs> At least it feels in my, my opinion. It feels like there's some crazy shit. Crazy shit goes down. And then there's kind of like a resting period. (laughs) And then maybe some good shit happens. And then there's a resting period. And then there's a crazy shit. You know, it just feels like kind of that yo-yo. And she talks about how there's some asteroids, planets out there that are a little more trickster. They've got like more trickster energy. And they're kind of here to just like fuck shit up. Which I love. I love thinking about the world as like a little less linear, a little less good and bad, black and white, you know, and having a little more like gray area, team U-turn, like zigzag type of energy. Can't wait to get into it with Nadia. Before I do, as always, I've got my weekly check-in with all y'all. And what's going on this week? I'm really, really doing a deep dive into anxiety. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about with you. Okay, so on like for a few days I've noticed like starting last week that I am just suffering from a bout of anxiety. And this isn't like normal anxiety where like, I feel like normally when I experience anxiety, I can easily be like, trace it back and be like, this was the cause of this anxiety. And then once I realize the like, you know, I'm hyper-focused on something in the future or I'm really nervous about an interview or something like that, or some event's going to be happening it's really easy for me to do some self-coaching or take action steps to allay the anxiety. But this anxiety is different and it feels very hormonal to me. It feels very connected to the pregnancy, obviously a big transition there. But like, it's just, it it feels like this low level of energy on, on my skin, around in my chest, around my belly. And it's sitting there 
And so I really noticed it recently when I was doing some acupuncture and I was trying to meditate during the acupuncture because, you know, they put the needles in and then you just lay there for 20 or however long minutes. I don't know. And usually when I'm laying there, at least up until now, I've just been able to like throw on a yoga nidra, put on some meditation sounds and like just, you know, relax. But this time I was like opening my eyes and just kind of like startled every once in a while, just being like, you've got to stay on, you know, that kind of energy. And so I realized I was like, okay, (laughs) I gotta be like, I gotta call this what it is. I got to call it anxiety. I got to start talking about it. And it's so interesting talking about anxiety because to me, this anxiety isn't necessarily something to be ashamed of, afraid of, uh, running away from. It just is. Like, I just feel anxiety right now. And so talking to different people, they have such wildly different reactions. I talked to a pregnant woman that was just like, oh, yeah, I totally suffered from anxiety during my pregnancy and during postpartum. And like, good luck to you. You know, you'll figure out how to deal with it. And I just loved that because I felt so seen and like this is a completely normal part of the process of my body. I told some other friends and they were just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, that must be just terrible. I'm like, well, that's not really what I need to be hearing right now. (laughs) You know, like it's not terrible. It's just, it is, it just is. And they were like, well, of course you're, you're anxious, you're pregnant. And it's like, yes, but I want to look at the underlying thing, which is the hormones. Like, yes, I have this big transition coming up. Yes. It's going to be a lot of change. Yes, I'm scared of like the actual birth process. Like, probably super more terrified of it than I'm actually realizing. All of these things are true. And this anxiety still is like sitting in my body. So I decided, you know, I was like going through my list of like somatic practices. What do I do when I got this? Tried shaking. I had a little dance party, threw some Beyonce on that was super fun. And did some journaling. And then I was like talking to my husband about it. And he was like, you know, I really think what would help is just to exercise and like to sweat. And holy shit, did it help. Like game changer. I fired up the Obey, OBE. Oh my God, it's so fun. I love um, working out with them. It's like all online workouts. Walter Kemp is my favorite teacher on there. I had to make a little sweat offering to the altar of Walter, altar of Daddy Walter. And it was just so fun to be back in his class. I love – he's so fucking positive but in a very like approachable way. (laughs) It's not toxic positivity. It's just like legit like love yourself uh, energy. And I got to work out in, which I haven't really done this whole pregnancy because I've been a little scared to work out during – Um, the pregnancy. So it felt amazing. I'm still working on the anxiety, but I feel like I've got a little, a little path forward. So that feels really good. So I wanted to share that with y'all. If you're suffering from anxiety, oh my God, first of all, my heart is with you and I would love to hear how you're dealing with it. Hit me up on the Instagrams. It's me, Sarah Cohan. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N, Sarah Cohan. Tell me how you feel. Tell me how you're dealing with it. I would love some more ideas on how to process this anxiety that feels like it's just, it's taken up residence in this house that is me. So would love to hear that. Also, I just want to say a few of you listeners have reached out recently to share your own 
um, insecure, fearful, avoidant attachment type and, and healing story. Someone else reached out to me just to ask me a question about, um, one of the workshops that I was talking about on, um, and money. And like, I just want to encourage you if you have any questions, please, please, please reach out. You can send me an email, find me on the Instagrams. I would love to talk with you. Don't be shy. I'm not getting creepy vibes from you at all. Like I actually genuinely want to hear from you and like it makes my day and also helps me to figure out what to share with all of you because I, you know, I, I, this is a one-way conversation, unfortunately in this medium. So like, let's find another medium and talk. I would love to connect with you and, um, maybe hear more of your story or just answer a question, like happy to answer any questions and be a resource for you. So yeah, find me on Instagram. It's me, Sarah Cohan. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N. And I want to talk to you. Quick shout out and thank you to this week's sponsor, Semaine Health. They are phenomenal. If you are struggling with your period, if you've got bad PMS, bad cramps, if you have to take a day off of work for your period, I highly recommend checking out their products. They've got PMS and period support. They've also just got like a daily vitamin to help you balance your hormones. They've got stuff for your urinary tract, and they're about to come out with stuff for menopause. So they're covering a lot of ground here. It's a female-owned company. I cannot tell you how much their product has helped me with my period. It's actually amazing. Like I'm pregnant now. I will be back on the semaine when I'm back on my period. Trust me. Um, if you're interested in getting 20% off their products, check them out, semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And use code LITAF at checkout for 20% off. Highly recommend checking them out. So honored to have them as a sponsor. So honored for them to support the show. And tell me how it goes. Like, I want to, like, legit, I want to hear how it goes. <laughs> Did they help? Because it was for, it was just such a game changer for me. I want to hear about it. All right. I think that's all I got for my intros. I think that will do. <laughs> okay. So let's not wait any longer. Let's get into this episode with Nadia Diamante. Thanks for being here. Hi, Sarah. Would you? Hi. <laughs> would you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes. My public name, I'm a Scorpio moon, so my public name <laughs> is Nadia Diamante. Diamante is, comes from my mom's last name, which is Diamond. And then I just made it fancy. So I am an astrologer. My specialty, I would say, is mythic astrology and asteroid astrology. I'm also a queer person. I'm of Assyrian Mediterranean origin. My dad was Assyrian, which is the root of astrology. Babylon or Mesopotamia is where astrology came from. So I've been studying astrology since I was about 11. I know that sounds very, very young. Maybe not for the Gen Zers because they're like basically getting astrology toddler books when they're really young, <laughs> but I'm 40. So that was a little bit of a different experience back then in the 90s. 
my focus when I'm doing my astrological work beyond the mythic, beyond the asteroids, is I really like to look at reclamation, like reclamation of self, reclamation of your story. Creativity is a big thing for me. I love to work with the muses, the muse asteroids in the chart. I like to look at eros, not just sexuality, although that is true too, sensuality, pleasure, working with Venus. And I do that specifically in terms of like reclamation, helping to queer the story of astrology. I wouldn't say necessarily like I'm like the go-to queer astrologer, but I, I think that we... I like to add some more diversity to the astrological story. I like to always say that I have the mind of a philosopher and a scholar and the delivery of like a very femme valley girl because that's <laughs> where I grew up. I grew up in Los Angeles, not necessarily the most like academic of astrologers, but I definitely am here for the party. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> and my favorite thing about astrology and being an astrologer is not about like putting labels on ourselves and saying like, I'm a this, I'm a that. Although I just, I like started with I'm a Scorpio moon. So that's why I'm a private. But in looking at the, in creating our collective story, looking at the collective story, which is why I like mythology and finding a reason for compassionate collective healing, you know, like ways that through story, through history, through the sacred work we do, rather than turning it in on ourselves, we're, we're figuring out a way to help others, especially if we are coming from a place of privilege. And that's really important to me because I grew up, my dad was a political religious refugee from Iran. He's a Syrian. So I grew up with the refugee story right now that's really poignant. My wife is Cuban American. Her mother was a refugee. Both of us like came here with refugee, have refugee parents. Then we're trying to flee the United States because we're like, Holy we're child. queer and we're like, and, and, and we're people of color. She's Cuban. I'm Middle Eastern, you know, so... And I know some people might say that's not a people of color, but we've been treated differently than white faces, not to get too political about it, but I know I'm going off on a tangent here. I'm so glad you are. <laughs> going back going. into my, into my social Please, justice. Don't ever but stop. <laughs> I don't even know why I started this, honestly. Yeah. So I think it's really important to find ways through the, the sacred work that we do to connect to our ancestry and then through our ancestry connect to our collective histories and through our collective histories then connect to the ways that this knowledge of self can help to heal others. Michael Mead, this mythologist that I really love, I know this is an intro, but he talks about in one of his podcasts, I can't remember exactly which one, and it really got me about how like when we're sh we have to share in the burden of other people's wounds. And so let's say like, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color have a very, very heavy burden. But if we, someone who is white-ish passing like me, takes some of that burden away and creates equity, not equality, which is completely different, but equity, then and we take some of the burden and we take some of the pain on and we give some of our privilege back um, and reparations, then we can, uh, then the world can actually heal and we can find ways to, instead of, it's not like love and light. It's like looking at the darkness, looking mm -hmm. at what happened, 
looking at the pain, the sorrow, like looking at and really feeling it, understanding and giving it back. And I think astrology can do that because astrology makes us be a witness to ourselves and patterns of astrology throughout history. Mm. That's a very long intro, but that's me. I'm it's like I said, I'm a Libra stellium. Libra is very social. See, I'm labeling myself. Mm. It's very social justice oriented and like mm. rooting for the underdog. My son and my uh, Mercury is in my 11th house, which is very much about what can we do for the collective as well. So mm. that's what I'm here to do. And Nadia Diamante, welcome to Lit AF. Thank you for that <laughs> intro. That was incredible. I like want to take it in a million different places. I, I just want to touch on a few things. I love what you said about querying astrology. Can you share just a little more about what that actually means to you? Yeah. So when I'm looking at astrology from what I call the traditional modern lens, that's my own term. I call it traditional modern because when I, as an ast- other astrologers may understand this, we're mostly looking, when we're looking at Greco-Roman astrology, like at the, it from like a Hellenistic standpoint, like the Western astrology is very Western, the Western ideals that are, um, as if you live in the United States or any sort of democratic country, a lot of these countries are built on these Greco-Roman like systems, right? And these are the systems of colonizers. So when we're talking about queering astrology, we go even beyond like sexuality. We're, we're looking at how we can take astrology back to its into its origins and like and really diversifying it like we're we look at we only have so we have 12 signs and like x amount of planets we we have it's very like a minuscule amount of information that it's that we see in like western astrology so it in if you really look at the planets you can see that the only feminine archetypes that you have within like a Western astrology chart are Venus and the moon. And then some people would say earth, but earth is an element. So when you're looking at the stories that play out mythologically, it's really wrapped up in this like heavily skewed towards these masculine archetypes. Now there's nothing wrong with the masculine archetypes. It just means that when predominantly, right, like people that identify as femme are getting readings. Mm. So they're getting readings, which are predominantly skewed to like masculine archetypes and stories. And there's not a balance there. There's not a balance of stripping gender out of the conversation completely, which I think is highly important and something that I'm working on and I have not perfected. And I'm really, I'm, I sometimes, I feel like I'm really bad at it, but I'm like bad and trying, which I think is, Mm. is the most important thing. (laughs) There's not, there's just, just not enough of diversity. So we're getting these like, Greco-Roman stories that were created specifically for, like, if you look back into astrological history, a lot of us, most astrologers, almost all of the astrologers worked in the court for the kings. They were all male. And Mm -hmm. it was very specific to, like, what was going, it was specific to war, you know, stuff that is completely, well, I guess it's not irrelevant to now, but it's like the 1%. And so when we're queering astrology, it's like I said, goes beyond sexuality, but it's allowing that astrology to apply to a lot of diverse kinds of people, people that 
don't have a gender identity or people that have a or more feminine gender identity that don't understand what Mars energy and they want to lean into something different, right? Um, or maybe there's fem- they, have, they want to understand how Mars can be applied to them in a way that makes sense. Why bring in asteroids? Apollo, Patroclus, Sappho, when I'm doing a reading specifically for queer people to sort of say like, okay, so you, here's your story about you. Well, we're going to bring in archetypes throughout queer archetypes and within the asteroids so that they can help to like tell your story in a broader context versus like the dichotomy of Venus and Mars. But yeah, I think it's like I said before, it goes beyond sexuality and goes into just taking it away from the patriarchy because in the 19th i I always say this like when did astrology start to become popular i mean like 15 years ago where it became mainstream but you have like you know you're in san francisco i grew up in la there's a lot of astrology you have like a proliferation of astrology coming around in the 60s and 70s and the hippies and you look back at who wrote most of the books and it's like like I call white wizard dudes. These are the dudes that when I used to go hanging out at the Bodhi Tree bookstore in West Hollywood would teach me astrology at like 16 years old because they were trying to creep on me. So I took advantage of that and was like, teach me your ways, wizard dude. <laughs> um, all of these, um, the traditional modern astrology, I call it, is like rife with their Jupiterian or Saturn Saturnian philosophies and Some of them are awesome and I love learning from them, but also we need different voices. So that's what I think is important. Mm, I love it. I just, thank you for explaining that. I think it's so important. I just read In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Have you read Mm -hmm. that book? I have it. I read half of it. Oh, nice. Okay. Love that. Love the honesty. I couldn't put it down. I like stayed up till 5 a.m. It's an incredible book, but she talks a lot about um, querying history and she talks a lot about different authors that were queer, but they were rep- repressed in their, in their writing. Yeah. But if you take a look and you look at it through this other lens, you're like, oh, wait a second. Queerness has been here forever, right? We didn't just invent it. And we're not the only ones that have felt this way. I love what you're talking about because it's so important to remember that there can be just this like one white male gaze. And there's so many other viewpoints. And I love that you said it doesn't mean it's wrong because it's true. But there can be another, you know, there can be so many other viewpoints. And I'm not knocking Carmen's book. Just, I just want to say, I, I'm, I have a little bit of like, a little bit of the ADD. So So I probably was like, oh, a a rerun of Charmed. I'm either like, I'm either a thousand percent in or I am two paragraphs like out. Like I'm not, you know, I get it. I totally get it. Oh, okay. Well, can you, I meant to kick it off, but with this, but we're coming back to it now. Can you just tell us a little bit about what's going on in the cosmos? At the time of this podcast, um, we're in a very intense astrological time. I don't really like to do predictive astrology too much because... I think that predictive astrology can be used as manipulation Mm. for follows, for likes, for money, for fear. And fear makes you click, makes you spend money. Um, I'm not against fear. I think fear is actually awesome. I think fear should be personal and intimate against Scorpio moon. But let's just say that we're possibly going through some great dynamic conflict. Not new news. Probably can see it in the news literally around you. 
I think the best thing you can do, and I'm going to go into a little bit of detail, but the best thing you can do is stay connected to your community, whoever your community is. The more you can have a support system in your life, let them know how you're feeling, cry together, laugh together, eat 3D Doritos together, like the better you will feel because it's, you don't want to, you don't want to be alone during this time. And if you're somebody that tends to be alone, find a way to connect to others. I also want to say that we're in a time right now, again, I'm going to go into details on why I'm saying this, but you, you want to throw all your rules out the window, like all your old rules out the window and find out what rules are yours versus which are, what are society's rules. If chaos comes, I want you to meet, meet chaos with more chaos, like your own chaos that you created, your own great joy that creates chaos. So if that means you are revolting, you revolt. If that means that you are dancing like a fairy in a garden by a cottage because that's who you are, then that's what you want to do. And I think that's what I really like about Gen Z, actually, other than there's two things. They love to label. They love to call themselves things and be like, I'm a, a C word, queer neurodivergent, bipolar, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, okay, friends. That's that's a lot of things. But they also, then they find their like group of people and they're absurdist and they party and they just are like, end of the world. Let's, it's like the Prince song, like live it up. They don't want to live, live with themselves. All millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, we can learn from that. Learn from the younger people. That's really important right now too. And of course, when you don't want to limit yourselves, but not limiting your limiting yourself is a privilege. So if you have friends that have to be limited, homebound, disabled, um, don't have money, and you have more privilege, help them to find fun and pleasure too, because it's rough. It's rough out there. When we're looking at it from like a global perspective, it's resources. It's like abundance, it's like the money you have in the bank, like recession, anyone. So I'm looking at it like, how are we supporting ourselves in this up and coming challenge to our resources as individuals as a collective and like the earth itself when this podcast comes out you are we're coming off of like maybe like a huge shake-up a lot of stuff is happening with mars conjunct uranus but the north node could be pointing towards how are we actively mars creating dynamic change uranus for our future north node and then that goes into once we get to august 11th august 11th is a big day because we have the full moon in aquarius and that full moon in aquarius which is co-ruled by uranus and saturn is all about our the our future as we're going to work answering shitty emails doing conference calls that make no sense like going to Whole Foods and being like, why is a green bean $5? Like we're also in the middle of this incredibly transformative um, period of astrology and of our, of our myth of our own personal story where we're like, we have to change. And you can see around us the resistance to change when probably all of you have experienced, no matter where you are on the political divide, or whatever your beliefs are, how people around you refuse to change. They refuse to change. And we are going to be continuously forced into change. It's going to start with our resources going back. But we have some good news here. So I'm going to go over asteroids. Asteroid, we have the asteroid angel is in Taurus. The angel, you can think of it as like protection. So our resources are currently protected. Also like and angels will give you a hint, like, you know, when we look at angel numbers, they'll give you a hint of what is, what's next. 
Um, so you have, it's, this is time, it's time to save, time to invest, time to pay your the credit cards if you can. So Uranus is also in Taurus. It's been there for a while. Full moon in Aquarius on August 11th is doing a lot of spicy things. But first we have that Mars in Taurus conjuncting the Uranus and North Node, which you talked about. So currently when we're recording this, we're in like a portal of astrological energy. And then we get back when we get into the time that you're listening to this, it's going to be right before the, the lion's gate portal on August 8th. There are certain times during like little astrological pockets. We can all feel them. I'm sure even if you don't know what it is, some sort of energy, some rev up, we get to what that means. I think around that week, the folk, but the focus astrologic we're looking at is like earth, 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 everything, technology for the survival of the future. We need resources. (laughs) We need them in our personal life and we need them for the earth. Otherwise we might as well just be throwing the end of the world party. Hosted by Gen Z, obviously. Hosted by Gen Z because we are boring as AF. Gen X is really cool. Millennials, like I'm a zennial, so I think I'm like half cool. But millennials, we kind of like, we kicked the bucket a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. We're done. We retired. We're We're tired. We're tired. We're tired. We're a good run. We're a great run. For millennials, like I feel so like um I don't know what year you were born, but millennials had so much like they had the Scorpio and the Capricorn, like Capricorn, especially the 1989. Like it was just rough. Like I remember back. It's rough. Back in the day, like when all these articles were coming out about millennials being lazy, and I would like look at Mm -hmm. millennials charts and like, what are you talking about? This mm-hmm. is like the hustle and grind culture. Literally. These people will, these like people will work their asses off and like sacrifice so much of themselves in order to impress the boomers and the earlier generations because, and not for anything, just because there's, they have such a, this like intense work ethic inside of them. Like I, the Gen Xers don't have that work ethic. They, they, it's not that they don't do good work. They just, no, they have boundaries. <laughs> they have boundaries. Somehow they have they got boundaries. boundaries. <laughs> they don't have the, I mean, the millennials are like, have- I'll work three jobs and run an Instagram profile and like yeah. volunteer on the side. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> and then Gen Zers are more like Gen Xers, except for they're even yeah. more like, they're even more like, fuck the system. They're like, yes. I don't want to work a job. Fuck it. I'm not showing up to that job anymore. Not even like yeah. doing it, giving your two weeks like a Gen Xer would. They're just like, Ghosting the job. That's cool. I'll be poor. Yeah. They'd rather be poor yes. than like work put up with for bullshit. But put up with bullshit. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I wish I could just go back in time and come back as a Gen Z. I'm so, as you can tell, I'm so enamored with a generation. Um, <laughs> anyways, so going back to um, astrology. So as you're listening, we're actively shifting into ways that you can co-create abundance with the world. So whenever you see a sextile, I think of it as like a magic wand. You have magic, so much magic in you. Sextiles are so magical, even more magical than a try. And these are positive aspects for the most part. But sextiles, like you do it yourself. So you're like, the wand has the magic in it. I have the incantation. I pick up the wand. I go bloop, bloop, bloop. And it's even better because I did it myself. So here we're learning how to co-create rather than something being given to us and then Venus allows us to like understand Venus sextile Uranus, how to 
create resources from unexpected places, Venus, sextile Mars, where to get the energy to do it. Cause like, if you're like me, you probably don't have any energy to do it, but you have <laughs> to, tired. we need this. We're tired. We need more energy. And then on, on the day that, um, on August 3rd of the podcast, Mercury goes into Virgo. So finding clarity, which I have none, as you can tell, succinctness, also not that. Editing, using the intellect, the logical and the pragmatic mind. This comes um, into, it, it, this gets highlighted. Mercury rules Virgo, so it's a really great placement. Um, I think Virgo is one of the best signs on the face of the planet. It's one of my favorite signs. And obviously. I think Mer Mercury and Virgo, did you say it's the worst? No, I said obviously. <laughs> oh, obviously. Oh, yeah, because you're a sun in Virgo. Um, I mean, I do like to hate on Virgos too, so. Well, you have I? to hate, hate on every sign equally, right? Okay. And, and true, I can true. do that. If you ever want to do a podcast on hating on every sign equally, I can definitely do that for I, you. I will but, call you up for that. <laughs> But Virgo, we'll set a timer. <laughs> yeah, I think Virgo, like when I'm looking at it mythologically, is like the fertile crescent energy. It's like the crux of civilization. So civilizations had to form. Uh, they formed through agriculture and then from agriculture into commerce. And the only way, and that's what Mercury rules is commerce. And the only the, the sign, like when you're beginning the harvest and the understanding of like how much, how many crops you have that you can save for winter or you can sell that like really are going to sustain your family, literally life or death. That's Virgo. Virgo is the note taker taking notes being like that we have X amount of wheat, X amount of barley, X amount of rye. So here it goes back into that like story of resources and what we're going to how we're going to sustain ourselves for the coming years I would say at the same time asteroid wise we have Ishtar which is my um, patron goddess Assyrian Babylonian patron goddess um, she is also a goddess of fertility similar to Venus but she goes to the underworld long story there Lilith um, Lilith so Ishtar Lilith Venus and Persephone and also Abuntia um, Roman abundance goddess, they're all in cancer. So here we have a story of the ways we nurture ourselves, but it's the, the dark, it's like the getting into like the shadow aspects of like, how have we deprived ourselves of nurturing? How has society, Lilith being there, deprived us of nurturing? Persephone was kidnapped and taken to the underworld. She ended up enjoying it. She tries to get her out, was trying to get away from her smothering mom. But like, in what ways have we been forced into sort of like Stockholm syndrome and like <laughs> sort of had to caretake ourselves? We are in this process of this is a lot of like heavy, dark, divine feminine energy all in the same sign, mm. like a very feminine sign. Yesterday, I saw a TikTok of, of crows or ravens flying around counterclockwise the Supreme Court building. And all of the comments were from like, everyone knows what this means. This is bad news for the Supreme Court. And I'm like, oh, and then you think it like, to me, it's like the god, like all the goddesses are coming together and plotting their revenge. Yes. They're just like, under the surface, we have these like the ancient gods and the new gods. Usually they're fighting, but now they're coming together to be like, humanity is fucking this up for us. So like, how do we, how do we change this? And then we have Medusa speaking of the Supreme Court and the, the Roe v. Wade decision. I haven't seen any astrologer talk about Medusa, but Medusa is the asteroid that you want to look at going into the future to sort of 
look beyond like Lilith and Medusa and Chiron. Lilith is not an asteroid. Lilith is a mathematical mathematical point in the sky. Just to clear that up for people. Mm. But Medusa is is uh, the asteroid that we want to look at because Medusa's story it's like the story of a person that may be really heavily impacted by this decision. Medusa was punished for her trauma, for her traumatic incident that was not her choice at all. When she turns men, and you always in the stories, it's always men, right? You never say a woman Mm -hmm. she turns to stone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When she turns men to stone, it's revenge for what she's experienced. So from this point forward for the next few years, I think until I'm looking when astrologically until um, I knew I wasn't, I said I was going to talk political, but here I go until about November of 2023 is when I'm looking at things shifting and changing Um, right now during this podcast, Medusa is in Sagittarius Um, Medusa is retrograde. So she's not in a position of power because she's retrograde, but she is in a position of, helping us to understand what freedom means to us Sagittarius if you look at like Medusa is the like ultimate protector of women or protector of people with uteruses I'm sorry she's the ultimate protector of 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 people that may be abused or taken advantage of or essayed so um, you see it like she used to be above the the homes of like the ancient people. She used to be in like their crockery, you know, she's like now she's the face of Versace. <laughs> she's all over she's all over the place. Um, she came she's so there, far. She came so far. Yeah. She's there to protect us. So we want us we want to ask Medusa to help to protect us. So if you are someone who likes to work with goddesses, I would say to call on Medusa. Like she's going to be the most important goddess to call on at this time in terms of that story. Going back to the money and stuff, we have Tai Chi. It's T Y C H E E. The goddess of luck, good fortune and fate is conjunct Phallus, which is a centaur. So centaur is an asteroidish thing. It's like a space body but they call them centaurs and conjunct Capricorn luck, fortune and fate conjunct, conjunct Capricorn, uh, which is basically the butter of flex. It's like something really, really small, like expanding to something really big, big for better, for worse. But in Capricorn means that you need to act slowly. You act with discretion. You be deliberate. A wrong move could expand very quickly. Consequences of over expenditure of money, using too many of our resources. So we have to, even though we want to rebel against systems, we have to find another system. We can't be like, screw the entire system. You know, it's like abolish all the systems. Like I feel like the, especially in the spiritual and wellness community, that that's like kind of the rhetoric is like sovereignty, autonomy, abolish all the systems, fuck all the systems. And like, these are people that have never lived without a system. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's chaos. What are, like, mm-hmm. what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, they have the privilege of going, like, hiding in, like, a garden in Bali or something. I don't know. I've never been to Bali. But, like, they have – what do they mean abolish the systems? The systems have worked for them to put them in a place of privilege. So they have to – those systems have to be reformed. That's what the astrology is saying here. Then we have Eros and Ceres are conjunct in Leo. So this is pure Eros is 
is Cupid. Cupid is a mischievous person with a bow <laughs> and like mm-hmm. making people fall in love when they even they didn't want to fall in love and also making them hate each other. That's another thing that Cupid does in mythological stories is making them hate each other. So Damn, he's so Cupid- powerful. Yeah, Eros is very powerful. So Eros is creating confusion. Eros is creating distraction. Eros is making, we might have an incident of like something happening in like entertainment mass media. That's going to be like an epic distraction that turns your head. The arrow turns your head. It's not always the truth of what you feel. It's, it's some, it's like a drama being nurtured. And as Leo rising, I love drama. So it's not like I'm a totally against that. I'm a maximalist. I'm like opulence. But like right now, we're not in that period. We're at a great turning point between like distraction and desire. We need to really be a witness to what our true desires are um, versus like what distracts us and thinks us makes us think that's our desire, actual desire. And then we have Nemesine. Nemesine is the mother of the muses. Uh, she's basically the mu- the asteroid of memory. I really like to work with her because, if especially from a creativity aspect, Nemesine essentially tells us how we're going to use all the energy of the muses in this period of time f- to record history, essentially. So she's in Gemini, and this is going to be a really important time to pay attention to the, our words, how we're recording them, how we're writing them, how we're projecting them for the future in, in the now. Because after this period, because Mars is in Taurus right now, Mars is going to go into Gemini for a very long time because Mars is going to retrograde there. So then we're going to have this whole story about not a war of the worlds, but a war of the words. The Nemesine is like, remember, remember what the, like, what are the actual words? Like, what is the actual story? Remember, like, the crux of it. Remember, she's sitting there being like, don't try to fight. Don't get pulled into this war of the words. Like, this, this statement versus this statement, this versus this. So the full moon in Aquarius like I said, very spicy because the sun is going to be square Mars, moon square Mars, moon square Uranus, moon conjunct Saturn, sun opposition Saturn, sun square Uranus, Mars trine Pluto, Mars conjunct Uranus. I think I said it all. It's it's a lot of oppositional energy. Holy shit. It's a lot. Radical change. Full moons are for letting go, for reflection. Um, Systems are, they need a shakeup. This will be a time this either when the middle of act in the shakeup or activating the shakeup that we're going to experience for like the next six months to a year. I like to think of full moon cycles as beyond like the actual full moon, but going forward, what's happening there, letting go of outdated ideas and even our, our own personal selfishness. I think because it's in a full moon is and Aquarius is going to be opposition Leo. When Aquarius is thinking about the whole community and the collective, the way that Leo has been thinking about itself is self-absorption, selfishness. And I'm a great proponent of like self-absorption for the greater good. <laughs> so it, it seems very dichotomous, but but I feel like we're, like I said, at this turning point of like how to negotiate this dichotomy and come back to the collective greater good. And I, I know that I probably talked for like 45 minutes, but that's okay, right? That was <laughs> fucking amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to... <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. Well, thank you for letting us inhale a little bit of that. <laughs> it was wonderful.
Are you struggling with your period? Do you have really bad PMS? Is your period super painful? Do you spend the first day of your period in bed hugging a hot water bottle? If so, I want you to check out Samane. They offer amazing PMS and superior support supplements. They seriously cleared my bad PMS right up. I cannot recommend them enough. They also offer an amazing daily hormonal balance supplement. So you can just be living your best life every single day, as well as a urinary tract cleanse and protect capsule. I used to have so many UTIs. It wasn't even funny. So this product actually helps you get ahead of the UTI so you don't have to have that painful stabbing feeling of a knife going through your bladder with a UTI. It's just the absolute worst. I'm so excited that they're supporting this show. They are a women-owned business and they make products for women and people with uteruses. If you're interested in healing your PMS today, check out their website, semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And you can get 20% off using the code LITAF. That's L-I-T-A-F. Check them out. I highly recommend it. You don't have to suffer like this. I suffered for too long. My sister and I, oh my God, we were just talking about this. We don't have to live like this. (laughs) You can get support today. Just try it. See how it works. Check them out. Again, that's S-E-M-A-I-N-E. H-E-A-L-T-H dot com and get 20% off with code LITAF. All right, now back to the episode. Okay, so why asteroids? What is the deal? Okay, yeah. Everything. How did it start? So asteroids started because I felt like astrology was giving me nothing. So I call astrology girl. I said, girl, you're doing nothing for me. Like, you got to do what needs to be done. And I was, it was just like, oh, it was just boring. It was vanilla. I was, I would, I would read, look at memes and look at predictive astrology. It was all the same. It was like, Virgo's this, Pisces this, Gemini's this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I've been studying this for so long. Maybe I'm just bored with it. You know, I'm like bored with learning the same thing. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an academic by any means. Like I listen to these academic astrology and I'm like, wow, these people are like good nuts. Like they're insane, like in a good way, in the kind of way that I wish that I could be. But if I'm not being entertained, if there's no spectacle, mm. like I'm not interested. So I was like, where do I find the spectacle? <laughs> where do mm, I find the I entertainment? I started being like, well, there's stories here that are never told. Like no one ever talks about who mercury actually is no one ever talks like that i know i mean there's some astrologers that do but it's i really wanted to go into the mythology of it because the more i learned about the mythology the more i'm like people aren't doing astrology right and i i'm going to rephrase that saying by they're not doing astrology right what happens is there becomes like what's it called like um Maybe I'm saying this wrong, like a morphogenetic effect where everybody, maybe that's the wrong thing, where everybody starts believing something. So as we know, like this collective unconscious 
starts to create a story that then actualizes itself. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's wrong because now it's starting to fit the archetypal. It's just that when you look at the stories of like, let's say Venus, for example, because that's the one I like to go to the most because her story is so different or like even Neptune, right? Or Jupiter. Okay, let's talk about Jupiter. Jupiter is Zeus. If you read the mythology, and Jupiter is the great benefic in astrology. If you read mythology, Zeus was basically like a really, really corrupt frat boy, like party boy, you know, Mm. doing so like so many slimy, creepy, horrible things. Why is he the great benefic? (laughs) Neptune was a shapeshifter that essayed like everyone. Same with Zeus. Why is Neptune like the guardian of our subconscious and our dreams and our imagination? Like, why is he allowed to creep up in our minds and like be like, I'm going to say creepy again, creepy things to us. Then you look at Pluto. Pluto is, yeah, he lives in the underworld. But when you look at the mythology, he doesn't do like anything that bad. (laughs) He's not as bad as his brothers. But then people are so afraid of Pluto because he's in the underworld. You know, it's just like there's... And Saturn is, I always say Saturn is basically in like, in mytho- mythologically, Saturn's in like the, got put into the Elysian fields of the underworld. He's basically like in, the, in a Florida retirement home of the underworld. He's like a cranky grandpa <laughs> that like gives you hard candy when you like really want like to actually have lunch because old people don't eat that much. And like, <laughs> he's, yes, he's a taskmaster and yes, he's cranky and he's the Lord of time or whatever, but like, he's not as bad as Jupiter and Neptune. And so it started to, I started to be like, why are we, what is it that's making us decide that these are the accurate stories for these archetypes? Then you look at Venus and she's like, she gets even better because she gets bratty and like bitchy and sorry, I apologize for using the word, but I say it with love. She's sexual. You know, we don't, Mars is always like, that's sexual, but Venus is just a sexual you know it's like and she is a diva and she likes what she likes and she wants what she wants and like so then I was like okay this is fun and what can be more fun than this like asteroids because it adds like even more texture the more I got into the mythology of the the planets I was like well there's more bodies in space right there's like so many more there's so much more mythology up there that we can play with. There's more than just the constellations that we know for the signs. Like there's so many more constellations. Why are we only looking at like 12 of them, right? Like why are we only looking at a handful of constellations? So I started looking at the asteroids and I was like, oh my God, this opens up so much more, especially from like going back to reclamation, like ancestral points of view. Like I did a reading for this amazing artist that I love, but she's a she's an Armenian artist. And I did a reading for her last year where I looked at all these Armenian goddesses or like archetypes Mm. in her chart because I had the asterisks for them. And the kind of work that she does is like, and I looked at fixed stars and lined up perfectly for who she is and like her success. And so to be able to bring people's culture, like I have Ishtar in mind because Ishtar is from my, my, you know, as, as an Assyrian 
person. She's a Syrian Babylonian goddess. Like to be able to look at the archetypes from my culture, from my background, from my ancestry helps to create a, a more diverse, more multifaceted story that isn't just like these very color, like color by numbers stories that have been written out and told to us, like, this is what Jupiter is. This is what Neptune is. Not everyone should be or is a main character, (laughs) you know, Mm. like some of us want to be the psychedelic dancing oracle in the cave. And we need, we need an archetype for that. You know, we need an art, like we have so many diverse types of people out there. They need a story that they can like hold on to. So when I get people to come, that come to me for asteroid readings, the asteroid readings like make them fall in love with themselves again and their charts again because there was parts of their chart, maybe most of it that they just didn't identify with because these these stories are not their own. You know, right. these stories are somebody else's stories. So to find their own stories with the asteroids is like really important. And the way I look at asteroids is not like tech, like is like in a typical way. Like a lot of astrologers say not to look at asteroids the way that I do, but somebody has to break the rules because a lot of other people broke the rules to get to the point that we are today with astrology. So excellent point. point. And that's going to be me. So thank you. You're welcome, folks. Um, okay, so for anyone listening that is like, how do I start to like get into asteroids in my chart? What do you recommend doing? There's not a lot of books out there about asteroids. Um, Demetra George has the asteroid goddess one, which is really amazing. So well written. I th- personally find plug and play. So if you go to astro.com and um, you can find asteroids and asteroid.com, if you go to my Instagram, which is at Nadia Noir, N A D I A N O I R. Um, I have in my link tree a link to a very rudimentary YouTube video I made about how to find asteroids. So you can use that to, to do what I'm saying. And there's so many asteroids, I believe, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Yeah. Some of them are named after like random people in the world, maybe like a barista down the street. I don't know. But what I like to do is I like to find Go just look through the asteroids of different mythologies, different cultures. You know, maybe like you, if you come from like a Finnish background, you can find like the mythology of your people. Or if you come from an Italian background, well, that would be like the Romans. Or if you're Egyptian, you know, finding Isis. If you are have a Celtic background, finding somebody from from that. Is starting with that, like looking to see what gods, goddesses, deities, or archetypes that are there for you. Like Sappho was poet, a Grecian poet, and she is like the patron saint almost of sapphic love. And knowing, so I when I found her in there, I was like, okay, well, I can apply this to my the querying astrology. I know Virginia Woolf's in there. So like you can just pull different people and put them in there. Sometimes you can find names. There's probably a Sarah asteroid <laughs> and put your, that in there. But I personally like to stay with the the deities because I feel like they're all part of our collective unconscious somehow. But you can do whatever you want. Again, those are my rules. You can break my rules. If you keep breaking rules, you'll have a lot of fun. You just play, like play around, find 
the gods or goddesses or deities that you are interested in finding and then look up their story, read all about them. The more you know about astrology, the more you can say, okay, well, what is the general essence of like Virgo? So if if Medusa is in Virgo or Juno is in Virgo or if there's an asteroid that's in Virgo and you know their story and then you know the essence of Virgo, how do you put that together, right? You start there. And then you're like, okay, well, Medusa's in, like, right now, and if I'm looking at the chart for August 3rd, Medusa is in my fifth house, my fifth house of creativity. So then I'm like, okay, well, what is Medusa in Sagittarius in my fifth house of creativity? What is she doing in there? Does she want me to write a story about her? Does she want me to make a dance, like choreograph an abstract dance about her life? Like, does she want, what does she want me to do there? Like, how is she playing out in that way? Right. So you just sort of put the pieces together and it's so much more fun to do it that way, to like plug and play, to make it interactive, to look at your own chart and figure it out for yourself. It's fun. Yeah. That's where I would start having fun. Love it. it. Well, I hope everyone um, has some fun with it. Breaks, break the rules. Listen to Nadia. <laughs> break the rules and put it back together. You'll figure it out. And but I love that. I love that you're um, encouraging everyone to explore on their own because I think that that's totally part of self self actualization through astrology is not just looking towards a teacher, but to like what works for you. Yeah, I always tell that people that when they get a reading from me that I explain like my readings are like two hours and they're really long on purpose because A, as you can tell, I talk a lot. And then B, I want to give people as much like I want to slam them with information so they can walk away and say, I can do this myself. I mean, that hasn't been great for my business model. Um, I got to be honest. It's with Oracle you. energy, though, for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. It's definitely Oracle energy. Because <laughs> um, you're only supposed to see the Oracle like once in your life, and they give you like great, great, see, great. I'm like really living into my archetype. Uh, but I want people to walk away and like do the research themselves and like find the story themselves because that's part of how you create your how you heal, how you create your mythology, your own personal mythology is listening to your own inner story and your own inner voice. Like I'm really skeptical and distrusting of most teachers, I mean, or readers or healers, because I feel like in 2022, it's just been commercialized, like monetized. Mm. There's nothing wrong with a reader or healer making money. Nothing wrong with that because we deserve to be able to like live, (laughs) eat, breathe. We spend a lot of time and a lot of money in research, classes, courses, certification, all that kind of stuff. But it makes us desperate. You know, like makes us desperate to say things that are appealing, appeasing, that are open a door, but don't close it so that you're kind of coming back for more and more and more. And that I'm like such a horrible salesperson. So like that doesn't appeal to me. I want you guys, all of you people out there to like be like, oh, my God, I want to do that. I want to do this myself. If you want to like tithe 5% of your income to me, like every month, that's fine. I'm just kidding. 
There we go. New business model. <laughs> Money for nothing. Is <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, She's going to dump on you for two hours and then basically 5% is owed afterwards, guys. Because <laughs> I was trying to think, like, what would an oracle do? Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, it's so good. Okay. For listeners that want to follow along with what you're up to, get a reading, how can they come find you and work with you? Yeah. So um, you can come to my website. It's Nadia in A-D-I-A, Diamante, D-I-A-M-A-N-T-E dot com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. It's at Nadia, N-A-D-I-A-N-O-I-R. Um, and I also do all 95% of the astrological writing on attune to the moon, um, at attune to the moon. Um, my readings are going to go up speaking of money (laughs) because of inflation go up in price on September 1st. So if you're looking and what I have a, a system where whatever your first price, like first reading you get, even if it was like $1, you're always $1 to me. So if you want to come in and get a reading um, for the month of August, you will be at my rate that I have now. It's going to go up like $90. So get get in now get <laughs> because in you'll, now. Always ha- you'll always have that rate with me. Um, I, but I also do sliding scale or lower price readings for people from, you know, marginalized groups, BIPOC, queer people, uh, disabled people people that are neurodivergent. So if you come to me and you're like, I am part of a marginalized group and I don't have this money, I will for sure do a reading for you and we can figure out a rate. So, well, August will be an interesting time as you just told us. So I'm curious to see what the fuck's going to happen. As (laughs) always, as always, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. That's your warning. I love that. Nadia, this has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I truly enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes. It was fun. I hope I didn't offend anyone. But also I hope I offended some people and they know who they are. The right people. Yeah. Literally. You can can come and tell us. The right people. We'll talk about it. Yeah. The right people. That's it for this week's show. I just want to say huge thank you to Nadia for being on the show this week. Her astro update was amazing. And I also want to say thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review or a rating in the Apple Podcast app or even on Spotify. You can just hit that five-star review. And if you're in the Apple Podcast app, share what you like about the show. That will help listeners find us. That will help spread this amazing free content to the universe. It also helps our guest guests, and it helps us get support of the show with sponsors. So you're helping us out. You're doing me a solid. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. And of course, I also want to thank this week's sponsor of the show, Semaine Health. They have an amazing product to help you with your period. You don't have to suffer anymore. Just try it out. I highly recommend it. It changed my life. 
check them out at semainhealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And use code LITAF at checkout for 20% off. Thank you so much. Thank you, Semaine. Thank you. I love you. Please remember that wherever you are on your own healing journey, I'm right there with you. And I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.